to episode 71 of the Geek Generation. I am joined today by Mike Volpe. That's right. I'm here. Mike Volpe's here. Just me. Brian Lipsitz forgot about us. He did. We're sad. <laughs> he forgot. We're crying. I don't know how he forgets. I don't know. It's every other week. <laughs> and uh, At the we, same time. And we apologize for yeah. not being on last week because, I don't know, we were just busy. Everybody's schedule is busy. Yeah, it happens every now and then. Eventually we'll do something where, uh, and I, I have some ideas, well, I'll run by you later, of uh, some episodes we can bank oh, on, okay. on occasion that aren't very time sensitive so that we can uh, be prepared for future weeks like that. I hate missing a week. I hate it. It's just weird. Record some episodes. Yeah. Store them in the vault. Yes. The bat vault. Basically. <laughs> and then pull them out when you need them. Pretty much. Cool. Pretty much. Uh, so we have tons of news because it's been three weeks building up. I didn't want to list absolutely everything because we'd be here forever, but I do have a good amount of stuff. So, And I don't want to skip over the week of releases that we missed. So Blu-ray and video game releases. Back on February 14th on Valentine's Day, there was The Rum Diary came out, which I never saw and I didn't, see it didn't really care about. Uh, Beavis and Butthead Volume 4, which was the first release of the new series, the returning mm-hmm. series. So the series is done. They did it's, their season. That season is done. Okay. But mm-hmm. all those are now out on DVD, which is great. There didn't seem to be a lot of episodes. 13. Really? Yeah. Wow. I have to go back and check my DVR. Maybe it stopped recording them. It only, <laughs> I thought I only recorded like seven or eight. Oh, really? Yeah. I no, 13 episode season. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hawaii Five O, the first season, is out on DVD or Blu-ray, I should say. Oh. I Hawaii never saw 5-0, it. Hawaii no. Yeah. I remember I, that. I remember it. I've heard it's good, but... I never watched it. I remember people talking about it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Dr. Seuss's The Lorax, the cartoon version, not the one, obviously, that hasn't even come out in theaters yet. <laughs> the cartoon will probably be better. Eh, probably. Like probably. The Grinch. I enjoyed The Grinch way more as a cartoon. It's also way shorter. Yeah. So it doesn't drag it's out. Right but, to the point. Yeah, it's true. Uh, video games came out was Twisted Metal. Oh, the new one. Yes, that came mm. out on Valentine's Day. And actually, we're going to have a review up on the site very soon from Mike Boyd, mm-hmm. who is uh, in the midst of playing that right now. I hope it's good. The it old looks ones cool. were good. The first two were good. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's what's to do? You drive around, you shoot stuff. As long as the gameplay is good. Drive around, blow stuff up. Yeah, you're kind of set at that point. Also, UFC Undisputed 3, which I'm not really into, but I don't know if you play the UFC games I at haven't, all. no. Yeah. I remember playing a demo of the first, I think, and it wasn't that great. It's just not my thing. But this I don't seems watch like it a, a very difficult sport to translate into a video game. Just, I mean, the striking part I can get, but the grappling and the ground fighting. I, I remember when it came out on like PlayStation Two. Yeah, and it was like the game was bloody. I feel like it would almost but, need uh, to be a version of like rock paper scissors. Where one move is can maybe outdo another yeah. and then mix in some of the like wrestling simulation stuff from the SmackDown series. Yeah. And yeah, and it kind of was like that, but it was a little complex, too complex for oh. me. And I don't watch it, so it didn't make a yeah. lot of sense. I would only play it to be Brock Lesnar. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, February 15th, the first releases for PlayStation Vita came out. Uncharted Golden Abyss and Wipeout 2048. So the new PlayStation handheld mm. is not even out yet, but the games are coming out. Oh. So if you want to buy a game and stare at it until your Vita comes out, you can do that. Why would you do that? I think that just so really people weird. could have them beforehand. Because what's worse than getting a console with no game supply? Well, don't they usually release together? Normally, yeah. And That's I think so there weird. might have been, there was like a first edition release. when that, PlayStation 4 comes out? <laughs> that they're gonna do that like a month before they're gonna release games like that i would that would drive me nuts to have a game sitting there that i can't play i didn't even know if they'd need to at this point because normally they just sell one in a bundle with it yeah. but they also with the playstation store there are so oh. many games on there that are full games you could just download one day of if you wanted to um february 21st j edgar comes out on blu-ray which i never saw nope uh tower heist which i also never saw nope Martha Marcy May Marlene, which I also never saw. Beautiful movie. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Nope. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and um, WWE, The Epic Journey of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm not excited for that at all. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just trying to make more money off of The Rock coming back for WrestleMania. This is what? His like third compilation DVD or something? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. 
They've done a bunch. I remember the uh, the one that's called like the most electrifying man. And yep, before that one, they had one. Uh, it was like The Rock, Know Your Role. Oh, there you go. It was on VHS. Was oh, VHS. Ago. Yeah, wow. it was a while ago. He's been in the biz a while. Uh, what else we got? Video games for February 21st. Asora's Wrath, which is also coming review soon. Mike Boyd's working on that one as well. Is that the the one that the Boston Red Sox player was involved in? No, you are thinking of uh, Kingdoms of Amor oh, yeah. Reckoning. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Schilling, yeah, with mm. uh, Todd McFarlane. That is not a Sora's Wrath. <laughs> Sora's oh. Wrath is out from Capcom. Oh, okay. And actually was delayed at one point. It's a very, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like there's a lot of god-like creatures in it and mm. craziness. Who knows? Uh, Syndicate comes out, which is actually a remake of uh, an older game as well. Looks okay. Um, and two more Vita games, even though the Vita is still not out. <laughs> Touch My Katamari and Ninja Gaiden Sigma Plus. That just sounds dirty. <laughs> Touch my catamaran. Yeah, that That's sounds good. really dirty. Those those Japanese are funny people. They are. <laughs> they just come out weird stuff. Remember the remember the well, game where you played? Well, to be fair, Vita has a touchscreen. Two of them actually. It does look like an impressive uh, handheld device. But yeah. Do you remember the game, Mister Mosquito? No. Oh yeah. Where you fly around as a mosquito. You could like bite a girl yeah. anywhere. That, so just weird. Creepy stuff. I know it is weird. Uh, <laughs> Um, and then on February 22nd, you can actually get yourself a PlayStation Vita. Oh, okay. Yeah. So some of the games are like a week early and a couple are like a day early. That makes a little more sense. Like you buy a game the day before, then you buy the console the next day. That makes some sense. Uh, February 24th on Blu-ray, Puss in Boots. Oh, I want to see that. I never got around to it and I'm disappointed with myself. And we were excited for that. We were. And we never went to see it. Although, from what I've heard, it was very, very, like, child-directed. Like, not as many adult oh, jokes like as the Shrek. Shrek series, yeah. Oh, well, it's still. I think it'll still be worth watching. Yeah, I don't even care. I'm like a five-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> I'll still laugh if they make poop jokes. <laughs> of course. Uh, February 28th on Blu-ray, Hugo, which I saw and was a bit disappointed which by. Which one was that? Uh, it was a Martin Scorsese uh, kind of kids film. Oh. Involving a kid with who had like a uh, a key. It, it was based on a book called The Secret of Hugo Cabaret. Oh, but um, yeah, it was it was very drawn out and actually kind of boring. It looked oh. cool visually, but that's about it, unfortunately. Also on Blu-ray, February twenty eighth, Justice League Doom, which Doom. I am pumped for because I love the DC animated movies. I love them all, every single one. Well, except for All Star Superman, I didn't like that. I do own it, but I didn't care for it. You have to own it. I I just buy them, yeah, when they come out, because I assume they're all awesome, and most of them are. But Justice League Doom looks fantastic. Uh, also on February 20th for video games, SSX. So it's the reboot of the snowboarding franchise. They've Very not popular. been around in a lot, for a while. No, no. But I think they didn't go down the bad roads that the Tony Hawk franchise did, so they're still kind of keeping. They didn't come out with a snowboard uh, peripheral no. or apparatus, whatever the word is. <laughs> I don't believe so. No, they mm. did not go for the ride. Uh, that's too bad. And also Mortal Kombat Complete Edition, which I am looking forward to because I never got Mortal Kombat. But now this is the game with all the DLC. Oh, so Freddy Krueger will be in mm-hmm. it. Cool. I don't care much about Krueger. But no, but it'll yeah. be fun to play as him. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun for me I'd to kill him. I'd love to see him. what his fatalities are. I have already seen them. Oh. YouTube. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Such a spoiler. Yeah. Well, well what are you going to do? <laughs> They're so hard to do sometimes. Is there anything out there that can't be spoiled um, by YouTube or there, There's this thing in Star Wars about Darth Vader. And he, wait, you, have, you, you haven't even I seen that, have you? I have seen them all. Well, I've seen them all, but never like all at one time. Right. I haven't sat and watched one entire one. I was going to say like Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. But oh. that's such a part of the pop culture now that yeah. if you don't know that, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, who? Yeah. I don't know. But isn't that common knowledge now? I would assume. Don't people always walk around and go, Luke, I am your father. I would love to find the person where you said that to them. They got super pissed off. <laughs> what are you doing? I haven't seen it. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> the whole thing's ruined. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have tons of news, so we need to get right into it. Big, big news here. 
Uh, this summer, DC Entertainment will publish all new stories expanding on the acclaimed Watchmen universe. As highly anticipated as they are controversial, the seven interconnected prequel miniseries will build on the foundation of the original Watchmen, the best-selling graphic novel of all time. Before Watchmen will be the collective banner for all seven titles from DC Comics. Quote, it's our responsibility as publishers to find new ways to keep all of our characters relevant, said DC Entertainment co-publishers Dan DiDio and Jim Lee. After 25 years, the Watchmen are classic characters whose time has come for new stories to be told. We sought out the best writers and artists in the industry to build on the complex mythology of the original. Stepping up to the challenge is a group of the comic book uh, industry's most iconoclastic writers and artists. And I'm not going to go over all the groups of individual artists because that would take us forever. But the uh, different titles would be Rorschach, Minutemen, Comedian, Dr. Manhattan, Night Owl, Ozymandias, and Silk Spectre. Each week, a new issue will be released and will feature a two-page backup story called Curse of the Crimson Corsair, written by original series editor Len Wein and with art by original series colorist John Higgins. There will also be a single issue before Watchmen epilogue featuring the work of various writers and artists and a Crimson Corsair story by Wine and Higgins. The original series of Watchmen is the complete story that Alan Moore and I wanted to tell. However, I appreciate DC's reasons for this initiative and the wish of the artists and writers involved to pay tribute to our work. May these new additions have the success they desire, said Dave Gibbons, Watchmen co-creator and original series artist. Are you well, familiar with the Watchmen book? Nope. No. I didn't watch the movie either. No. The uh, Well, the movie was actually incredibly accurate. They made some changes to the ending, but overall it was very accurate. I thought it was a little more uh, gory than it needed to be, but that's Zack Snyder's style, so he loves to do that. Hmm. The book itself, the Watchmen book, is awesome. It's great. It is one of the best graphic novels of all time, and that's why it's one of the best selling. There, This was rumored for a long time that DC wouldn't let it die and they would do something with it mm-hmm. and they are doing prequels and there's yeah there's a lot of controversy because a lot of people are just saying that's the best graphic novel of all time why are you going to try and water it down yeah but it's it's such like a popular area this was almost inevitable but the the powerhouses that they got on these books so I, I'm going to assume then without spoiling anything mm-hmm. that the reason they're not continuing the story is everybody died or something like, why would you do prequels? If why wouldn't you just continue? Something must have happened, right? I think the reason they would go in the prequel route is because these characters now are so loved by the people who read the graphic novel that they want oh. origins more. Oh, okay. and you don't really get that. And uh, there are things that happen in the book that would make it tough for certain characters to move on uh, as well as I think, the story ends in such a place that you want to leave it where it was. It's just one of those endings that's so good. You don't want to know necessarily what's going to be the next and it's better left unsaid. Okay. So going back to prequels does seem like the logical thing to do here. Plus uh, the Watchmen is a group that exists in multiple periods. Mm -hmm. So the story itself is focused around the modern day version of that group. But there was like a 60s or 70s based Watchmen. Oh, that's cool. So they they have a lot of prequel territory they can cover. Ah, that's cool. So yeah. they'll introduce new characters and stuff. Yeah. So there's a whole history wow. that they could delve into. Years and years and years of stuff. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, so I'm 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 kind of looking forward to it. As much as it's controversial, it is kind of cool. Uh, next story here. It started with a posting on the Double Fine website, and Double Fine is a video game publisher. Stating, quote, publishers tell us that adventure games are dead. Our fans tell us they aren't. Who is right? Well, I think it's about time we found out. With that, Double Fine and adventure gaming legend Tim Schaefer have announced they are working on a classic point-and-click adventure. If you're unfamiliar with Schaefer's work, he's the brains behind a lot of the classics in the genre, including Day of the Tentacle, Full Throttle, and Psychonauts. While a new adventure game from Schaefer is incredible news itself, the funding of the project might be even more incredible. Instead of using traditional methods, the studio decided to access the crowdsourcing power of Kickstarter, where people can contribute to the development of the game and receive a number of different rewards, including the game itself, once that's completed. And just to expand on this a little bit before I read more of the story, um, I didn't even realize how influential Tim Schafer was in the gaming world, like listing things like Day of the Tentacle and Full Throttle. I never played Psychonauts. Mm -hmm. Full Throttle is one of my favorite games of all time. And I didn't realize he developed that. Day of the Tentacle is amazing. 
I don't know how much you played that genre of video games back no, in the day. Um, like much. Maniac Mansion was one of the more early ones. Even the first Leisure Suit Larry was very much this mm-hmm. kind of game. But LucasArts, in combination with like Tim Schafer and stuff, really helped the genre spread out. And it's probably my favorite genre of video games ever. And Telltale does them now in their Back to the okay. Future, The Walking Dead game they're working on, Jurassic Park, except they do it episodically. Mm-hmm. But it's that style of game. And Tim Schafer was always getting requests from fans saying, we want another one of these. But he would go to publishers and publishers would say, nobody wants to see that. But the fans are like, well, we want to. So he's like, all right, let's put it to the test. Mm -hmm. If you fund this game, I will make it. And the adventure game genre won't be dead. But you guys got to step up and do it. So it's a good and Kickstarter is that type of thing. I've talked about crowdsourcing. We talked about it with Chris Gore a little bit, even though. Uh, that didn't necessarily air in the episode. We talked with him a little about Kickstarter projects and things like that. So this is an amazing new way to mm. do this that companies can do now. So this is the way it's gone so far. Uh, the project was set at a financial goal of $400,000 to cover development of the game and a behind-the-series documentary that project backers will be given access to. So if you back it, you get access to a documentary they're building. I think they had set $300,000 for the game development, $100,000 for the documentary. In just over eight hours of posting the project, Double Fine reached its $400,000 goal. Wow. When contacted by gaming site Joystick, a Kickstarter spokesperson revealed, quote, I can confirm that there's not been a project that has raised as much as this one in such a short time frame. By day two of the posting, the project reached over $1 million in contributions. At the time of this report, I just checked it this morning, the campaign has over 58,000 people backing it and a total of almost $2 million raised. If you want to contribute, they're still accepting donations until March 13th. And the untitled Adventure Game is currently set for an October 2012 release. It looks like the Adventure Games aren't dead after all. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And that just shows, like, if there's that much of a demand for something, just put it out people will fund it i mean yeah. we basically i funded it myself because i love tim schaefer cool. i love this genre of games and what i did was with my donation i bought myself a copy of the game oh like cool. when it comes out i have it yeah i already have it so i'm i'm just pre-ordering something that i have faith in uh-huh which i think is fantastic that's amazing that's move. yeah and if they did that they do it a lot with movies and stuff i've funded things in the past i talked about jamie king's independent movie uh latchkey which i also funded which she's still working on but when Mm -hmm. it's done i get a copy of it and actually i think i get a signed copy the the way that i funded it but but there's also been updates uh tim schaefer did provide an update since uh reaching the goal and he said that key point are some key points from the video announcement that he made based on the amount of money they have they had said that they would do some other things if they could afford to beyond the initial game development. And obviously they have like almost three times as much as what they asked for. So uh, there will be support for PC, Mac and Linux, Uh three different operating systems when they were planning on just PC to begin with. There will be mobile support for certain iOS and Android devices. So you'll have the games on mobile uh, as well. There will be full voice acting for the English version. So they're going to have total. They were thinking it might have to be text based if they can afford to pay. Voice actors, so full voice acting there will be. Cool. Subtitles will be provided for English, French, Italian, German, and Spanish. So they're covering all those languages. There will also be a closed beta through Steam for people who have backed the game. So when it's actually being worked on, they're going to put out development copies to people who invested. So those 58,000 people can all kind of try it out and help them find the bugs Mm -hmm. and work the game out. And uh, backers will have the option of getting a DRM-free final copy of the game. So we'll have no copy protection on it. Cool. Yeah. Because, I mean, they've. what's the point of DRM? They've already sold the copy. Right. So that, this great. is also like a way to get around piracy. You mm-hmm. can't pirate a game that's not out yet. You paid for it before it exists. Yeah. So this is taking care of so many issues in the industry. I would love to see more companies adopt this model. Well, if this goes well, they will. Yeah. I mean, if if let's say, as an example, Rocksteady, obviously they can go get... And they probably already have a contract for the next Arkham Asylum game or Arkham City or whatever they call it next. Arkham World. (laughs) Uh, Whatever the next one is. If they said contribute $60 now for the next game, I would do it. The first two are amazing. I'm going to pay $60 for the next one anyway. Odds are it'll be better. Right. 
So cool. why not? Yeah. This is a model I would love to see adopted more and more. But this that whole story is just amazing to me. The support that they got right away. and That must have blew their minds. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And it's it's awesome. Very happy. Speaking of blowing one's mind. Yep. At this year's Toy Fair in New York City, Mattel revealed its plans to release a prop replica of Marty McFly's uh-huh, hoverboard yeah. from Back to the Future Part 2. Before you get your hopes up too high, just like the Nike mag replicas didn't automatically auto-lace, this board will not actually hover. Boo. Ah, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> Gotta have that technology somewhere. I know. The other catch is that it will be a limited edition, but won't actually go into production unless enough pre-orders are placed. So there's a chance that if people don't buy this, mm. it just might never see the light of day. Here's the official word from Mattel. Quote, finally. This totally awesome one-to-one replica of the hoverboard from Back to the Future 2 and 3 films includes multiple whooshing sounds and will glide over most surfaces. Does not actually hover. Check back in 2015 for that feature. (laughs) We'll be taking orders for it March 1st to March 20th, 2012. And the final product will be shipped around November to December 2000, uh, 2000, 2012. That's a long time away. I know, right? Because this is such a high-cost item, there will be a minimum number of orders required to go into production. If we don't receive the minimum orders, uh, we won't go into production and customers will not be charged. The price will be announced later this month. Note, hoverboard does not work on water. <laughs> Why is it such a high cost item? I Why? don't know. And maybe uh, it's the licensing of it. Maybe. I'm not exactly it sure. Doesn't seem, when you look at it, it doesn't seem like it's that. It's, no, is, it seems it like it'd be really simple. Yeah. You know? Or maybe the fact that it's a, I don't know. I don't know why it would be so high cost, but. Somebody's looking for some kind of money yeah, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it, I bet you it has to do with licensing. That'd be my guess. But it is very cool. Um, I obviously didn't get a pair of Nike mags, but I would love to have a hoverboard yeah. replica. I just fear it's going to be like a thousand dollars or something. Uh, that would piss me off. What's the most you'd pay? That is a good question. Hmm. I see a hundred bucks. That, I was like, thinking the same. That's it. A hundred bucks. Yeah, I was thinking a hundred dollars to do it. It doesn't hover. No. If that thing hovered, I would drop. I'd find a thousand bucks. And one reason I really, really want it is for my. Uh, I don't know when I'm actually going to do my hybrid Halloween costume of uh, Doctor McFly. Yeah. And do my two time travelers, but right. having having my sonic screwdriver in one and hand and a hoverboard, hoverboard in the other. Although this won't come out until after this Halloween, that so maybe I have to save that. to a whole new level. You Elevates? Raise the, oh, oh, raise the bar man. you were going with, too, man. Just throwing out those hover. <laughs> nice. Um, let's see. Controversy. More controversy. Controversy? Yeah. All right. I mess up a lot. Yep. Yep. If Watchmen wasn't controversial enough for you, in a recent interview with Star Wars creator George Lucas, the master of controversy, mm. Heat Vision asked the director how he felt about fans' reactions to his tweaking of their beloved films. He oh. responded, quote, Well, it's not a religious event. I hate to tell people that. It's a movie. Just a movie. The controversy over who shot first, Greedo or Han Solo, in episode four, what I did was try to clean up the confusion, but obviously it upset people because they wanted Solo, who seemed to be the one who shot first in the original, to be a cold-blooded killer, but he actually isn't. It had been done in all close-ups, and it was confusing about who did what to whom. I put a little wider shot in there that made it clear that Greedo is the one who shot first, but everyone wanted to think that Han's, that Han shot first because they wanted to think that he actually just gunned him down. So what he's saying is that in the original movie, mm-hmm. Greedo was the one who shot first, but since it was all done in such quick cuts and the yeah. shot wasn't wide enough, we never saw that. So he's saying that... He fixed it so you see it the way it was right. supposed to be done. So we misinterpreted it. No. But this is what actually happened. <laughs> That's what he's saying now, at least. Yeah. Uh, he continues on to say, it's the same thing with Yoda. We tried to do Yoda and CGI in episode one, but we just couldn't get it done in time. We couldn't get the technology to work, so we had to use the puppet. But the puppet really wasn't as good as the CGI. So when we did the reissue, we had to put the CGI back in, which was what it was meant to be. That one I'm not as uh, upset about. The puppet but works. Yeah. The puppet has character and personality. Yeah. And it always does. And that's why people love the Muppets. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if you look at Blade Runner, it's been cut 16 ways from Sunday, and there are all different kinds of versions of it. Star Wars, there's basically one version. It just keeps getting improved a little bit as we move forward. All art is technology, and it improves every year. Whether it's on the stage or in music or in painting, there are technological answers that happen, and because movies are so technological, the advances become more obvious. He's changing a lot. Right. 
I mean, it's there are certain things that you go, okay. How many other movies do you think they'll do this to? I don't Imagine know. if they went back to Back to the Future and started changing uh, stuff and adding stuff and putting CGI here and there. Yeah. There uh, are ways to go back and make things better, and there are ways to go back and just make them look better. For instance, like Star Wars, like you said, he's changing things. If we look at the example of uh, Star Trek The Next, Gener- Next Generation, the Blu-ray yeah. reissue, they're going back and they're redoing all the special effects, but that's just to make it look modern. Right. Nothing is changing story-wise. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in in the situation of the puppet and the CGI Yoda, sure, he's making a change, but it's not changing a story. So you can go, yeah. okay. But the Greedo shot, first thing, um, the the part of having Anakin replaced at the end of Return of the Jedi with the younger Anakin, mm-hmm. stuff like that are story changes. And even though it's the same character, there is you're saying something different when you're putting in yeah. a much, much younger Anakin. So, I don't know. It's... I, honestly, I never really cared about the whole who shot first thing. I know mm-hmm. that's a big controversy, but I'd rather he not be a stone cold killer. Honestly, right. it doesn't fit him the rest of the movie. So why would it during that point? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. Good old George Lucas. Yep. There's <laughs> always controversy of some kind. Controversy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, we reported previously on uh, the Green Arrow TV show. Oh, yeah. The CW's pilot Arrow, based on the DC Comics property Green Arrow, has found its lead in actor Stephen Amell. The series will see Amell in the role of Oliver Queen, a Star City billionaire who doubles as a vigilante superhero using his skills in archery, martial arts, and technology to fight crime. Amell has made recurring appearances on both 90210 and The Vampire Diaries, with other recent appearances on HBO's Hung and ABC's Private Practice. And there have been other castings made for the show uh, since this came out. But again, Mm -hmm. it would have clogged the news up like crazy to go over all of them. The lead is the most important. But uh, I'm not really familiar with the actor. He looks the part just fine. So I guess we'll wait and see. They have faith in him. Yeah. Wait and see. They do like to keep things in the family on the CW. So it is a guy from like 90210 and Vampire Diaries and other shows that they've done. They do like doing that. In a post on Michael Bay's website, the director stated that the next entry in the Transformers film franchise will indeed be directed by him, Mm -hmm. with Paramount setting a release date of June 27th, 2014. So it's a little ways off, a couple years. Um, Michael Bay is back. Yeah. But from the rumors I've heard, there might be a totally new cast. Didn't, uh, what the hell was I listening to? They said it's going to it's possibly a reboot. I don't know. Well, possibly. I think they're just taking it another direction and they're kind of saying another direction. <laughs> I think they're doing the typical trilogy thing yeah. of saying that story has been told. Yep. Now we can bring in new characters and Tell whether a it's a story. continuation or not, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We're just going to not address the previous stuff and just move forward. And do maybe like another trilogy here. But uh, what was it? Josh Duhamel, who's been in the previous ones is one of the military guys yeah and actually i think the the main military guy uh he said that as far as he knows no one's really been asked back and no one's planning on going back because they're just kind of done right so it would be a totally new cast yeah moving on yep no more shyla la boof shyla la 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 boof (laughs) uh last thing here before we take a quick break with the recent departure of lily collins from the film Jane Levy has stepped in to take the lead role in Evil Dead. Uh-huh. Levy will play the part of Mia, a drug addict who is heading to the cabin along with her friends in an effort to detox. This female role, as we said before, will replace the character of Ash uh, from previous versions of the franchise played by Bruce Campbell. If people aren't familiar with Jane Levy, she is the lead in a new uh, ABC series, I think, this year called Suburgatory. And that would be the only main thing I think people would really know What's her from. What's the name of this character? Uh, Mia. Oh, Mia. I yep. said that. Right. Yeah. So they're going totally That's unrelated. Good. At least yeah. they didn't go with Ashley. And then it yeah. Like, Ash. And technically, uh, Ash's name was Ashley. It was Ashley J. Williams. Because mm. it can be a guy's name, too. I know. Yeah. Not very common, but it is. No. Yeah, but it does happen. Um. So, yeah, they're going so totally this good, unrelated. this new actress? I honestly, I don't know anything about her. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the show. So I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I mean, we saw Abduction. Lily Collins was fine, but it wasn't like... Which one was she? She was she the, was, she was the female lead. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, all right, she's fine. Whatever. So I don't know. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only thing that What's I... What's the scheduled date for this? What are uh, they aiming for? I do not know, honestly. 
not off the top of my head. I might have it somewhere on the site mm-hmm. written down. I have heard rumors, too, that uh, Bruce Campbell was recently talking about the reboot, and they're not aiming for a humor aspect. Like, the original oh. Evil Dead was not intended to be funny, but it was because of the special effects and stuff. It was just kind of corny and cheesy and was a B-movie. And they're now going to take a much more serious look. They're not intending for it to be humorous. <laughs> It'd be funny. Yeah, it probably will be. <laughs> They're not intending for it to be humorous. They're intending it to be dark and scary yeah. and all that. But Bruce Campbell did kind of leak out and say uh, the trees will not be behaved in this uh, one either. So who knows if they're going to keep those yeah. very disturbing scenes in there. I don't know. Yeah, It'll knows? come across as goofy. Most sure. horror stuff does now. It's true. It does. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Hey, Amazon users. If you'd like to help support the show, please go to thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon, which will bring you right to the Amazon homepage. If you make a purchase after using this link, you've helped the show by earning us a commission, and it won't cost you any extra money. Please use this link for all your future Amazon shopping. That's thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. Hi guys, I'm Eddie McClintock. I play Special Agent Pete Latimer on Sci-Fi's Warehouse 13, and you're listening to The Geek Generation. Peace! We are back. Oh, thanks, Eddie, for bringing us back. (laughs) He can't hear you. Maybe he listens. Maybe. You don't know. It's true. Possible. It's possible. Not likely, but it is possible. Uh, Back into the news. Some Spider-Man stuff. Oh. In a recent Comic-Con annual magazine, director Mark Webb shared some insight into his vision for The Amazing Spider-Man. His name's Mark Webb. I know, right? How perfect is that? That's great. It really is. That just actually gave me a little more hope. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just because. Just because his name's Webb. In regards to this movie, compared to Sam Raimi's trilogy, Webb said, quote, It's really important for us to be able to communicate that this isn't a remake of Sam Raimi's movie. There's a new territory. There's a new villain. It's a different Peter Parker. When asked about the seemingly darker tone of the film, Webb assured us that Spidey would remain true to his wise-cracking roots. Quote, There's this trickster quality we are very keen on exploring, with that humor and that fun and that wise-cracking stuff. We wanted to keep that alive, but we wanted it to be realistic. We wanted that humor to come from a real place. My aim was to create a world where you could feel all those emotions. There are certainly darker, more intense feelings in this movie. There's betrayal, there's tragedy, but there's also humor and romance. So it's a very complex bouquet of emotions. Mm-hmm. But what you have to tread on is what feels authentic and what feels real. And you have to earn those different emotions. There are moments of furiousness and gravity, absolutely. But there are moments of humor and levity and whimsy. Andrew was really great. He used this term to describe Peter Parker and Spider-Man and Spider-Man in particular. He's a trickster. He was like, how would Spider-Man web this guy? He'd give him a wedgie or he'd do some awful graffiti. There's a punk rock quality to Peter Parker that's really irreverent and fun, and that's something that Andrew embodies in a way that we haven't seen before. Certainly the materials that have come out have a darker sentiment, or there's a darker projection, but we're very keen on staying loyal to the humor of Spider-Man. What caught me there was he said punk rock? Yeah. I never, I don't always thought of Peter Parker as more of a geeky, nerdy guy. He is. Not punk rock. But as Peter Parker's developed over time, I think the very early, younger Peter Parker was definitely geekier and nerdier. Yeah. But he's kind of matured and grown up a little bit, and I think maybe they're tackling that oh. aspect and putting him as a younger character. But I think he'll certainly have that geekier side as well. Yeah. And honestly, when you think about how a geek deals with uh, being an outcast, humor is generally their attempt, even if it comes off as odd humor. Yeah is generally their attempt at, like, kind of coping and dealing with their situation. I just don't, yeah, punk rock, I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah, I don't know punk rock, I picture him in, like, a leather jacket with, like, the things, (laughs) the collars, like, a collar flipped up or... Look a little more like the Scarlet Spider. Or nowadays it would be a a polo shirt, a pink one. Oh, God. With the collar flipped up. That is not punk rock, that is douche. (laughs) I know, but that's, unfortunately, in uh, skin-tight jeans. Oh, Oh, God. That's a trend that needs to go right real quick. Real quick, girls look good in skin-tight jeans. Guys, not necessary. So not necessary. IDW Publishing will make history when two of the greatest science fiction properties of all time come together in a comic book for the first time. The world's most popular time traveler teams up with the USS Enterprise crew in Star Trek The Next Generation, Doctor Who Assimilation 2. 
taking fans on an adventure where no man has gone before. Ha ha ha. Launching in May, Star Trek The Next Generation. Did you write Doct- that? I did not. Okay. I was actually part of the, no. I was part of the press release. I'm not that witty. Uh, launching in May, Star Trek The Next Generation, Doctor Who Assimilation 2 will feature fan favorite. I think it's Assimilation Squared, actually. Sorry. Uh, will feature fan favorite villains, the Borg and the Cybermen, as they create an unholy alliance resulting in potential disaster for all humanity. Captain Jean-Luc Picard and the crew of the USS Enterprise find themselves joining forces with the Doctor and his companions with the fate of the galaxy hanging in the balance. This eight-issue series will be written by Scott and David Tipton, the authors of the critically acclaimed Star uh, Star Trek Infestation, with a helping hand from longtime Doctor Who writer Tony Lee, and will feature fully painted artwork by J.K. Woodward. I am digging this. This is interesting. Yeah, and I love the fact that they're going with the uh, Next Generation crew, because that's my favorite. would never picture those two coming together. It seems no, like but so at the same problem. time, like, I mean, they're both heavily in space in yeah. one way. I almost want to see, like, though, instead of Borg and Cyberman, I would love to see Doctor Who's mind clash with Q mm-hmm. because they're both just, like, so brilliant. That would be just fascinating to to witness that. But I, as much as I would love to see this done in live action TV form, yeah, uh, this is still pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Who's to say it won't be? Right. They could always do the Doctor Who Star Trek movie. <laughs> he could make a cameo in a movie somewhere. You never know. That'd and be then awesome. every, every Doctor Who fan will oh, wet their pants. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. It'll never happen, but it'd be good. <laughs> It'll be just suddenly a smell of urine in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> we all peed. Uh, more comic book stuff because it's a heavy comic book week. Seems like it. Yeah. Fans of the smash hit TV series Smallville. <gasps> Brian's not here. Oh. <gasps> Brian's missing all the comic book stuff and the Smallville stuff. Brian. <laughs> or B-Rye. B-Rye. Say it to my face. <laughs> Fans of the smash hit TV series Smallville haven't had much to cheer about since the show ended its critically acclaimed 10-year run on the CW last May. That's all going to change with the upcoming new comic book series from DC Entertainment, Smallville Season 11. Written by former Smallville show scribe Brian Q. Miller, the new digital first series will be published digitally on April 13, 2012, with new digital chapters released weekly thereafter. Additionally, the online chapters will be offered in a print periodical, along with an episode guide to the hit television series, with the first print issue released on May 16th. The new comic book series picks up where the show left off, with Clark officially now as Superman, and features other fan-favorite characters including Oliver Queen slash Green Lantern, uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Mm -hmm. Chloe Sullivan Queen, Lois Lane, Lex Luthor, and General Lane. The book features an all-star creative team in addition to Miller. Smallville Season 11 creators include print cover artist Gary Frank, digital cover artist Kat Staggs, and interiors by Pierre Perez. Quote, six months after Clark Kent donned the cape and took to the skies to save Earth from Apocalypse, enter Season 11, enthuses Miller. New allies abound, new enemies afoot, Any old fr- uh, and old friends return where they're least expected. Pierre and colorist Chris Beckett have done a fantastic job of capturing the look of the show and the players, and Gary and Kat are knocking it out of the park on covers. I couldn't be more excited to help give seasoned viewers and new readers an all-access pass to Clark's first year in the Cape. This is an interesting concept. Continuing a TV show. It's not the first time it's been done. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer has Mm -hmm. gone on in comic book form. Um, Freddy vs. Jason went on to do Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash in a comic book. So it's it's not a yeah. completely new concept here, but it is uh, interesting to see them continue it on, especially considering the whole DC reboot. You yeah. think they'd kind of just let this be in the past and not necessarily carry it forward. Apparently, there's enough of an outcry. I guess. Want more. And honestly, as much as I know Brian's probably excited for it, I would rather this didn't happen because uh, I think 10 years <laughs> of the series – told the story just fine. Yeah. And now that he's Superman, the story of Smallville is over. Right. Now that was the on. whole point. That's what we moved to. And that needs to be, now what do they end on? There's no clear ending yeah. point anymore. So now it's just, let's beat it into the ground until it's worn out its welcome. So yeah. there's, as much as Smallville fans might be excited for this, there's a time for it to end. And when you have a good end, it makes everything else seem that much better. Yeah. Even though looking back at the Smallville season finale, as pumped as and excited as I was for it, I'm still very, very pissed that we never actually saw Clark in the Superman costume. Yeah. So now they're going to draw it for us. But 
It's it's just I not see the where same. You're from, yeah. yeah. It's not the same. I feel like we were cheated out of something and now they're just gonna continue in comic book form. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think I'll be reading this one. Double Fine. Speaking of Double Fine, more Double Fine news, and this actually came out before the Kickstarter stuff even started. Uh, Double Fine founder Tim Schaefer gets many fan requests for Psychonauts 2 and recently told Digital Spy that he'd love to make a sequel, but there are some barriers in the way. Quote, I mean, I get a lot of on Twitter or whatever daily questions about Psychonauts 2, and I would love to do Psychonauts 2. I've actually pitched that to publishers several times and no one has taken the bait so far. I'd love to do that game, but I'd have to convince someone to just give me a few million dollars. That's all, which is odd considering that they followed up with the Kickstarter campaign for a totally new game and then made... Almost $2 million. Yeah. Uh, a funding solution may be on the way as Minecraft creator Marcus Notch Person recently learned of Schaefer's problem and tweeted to him, quote, let's make Psychonauts 2 happen, followed by, quote, also, I'm serious. The official word from Double Fine is, quote, Tim and Marcus are talking. Who knows what might happen? Notch followed up on the news, reminding fans that nothing is set in stone yet by tweeting. Anyway, please don't get your hopes too high yet. Everything is extremely vague. Hmm. And uh, since all this initial interaction notch has said that he underestimated what it would cost to make psychonauts 2 and even though he's interested in funding the project it might be a little above his head as well so i don't know maybe after double fine completes their currently planned point and click yeah. adventure they'll go back to the kickstarter board and psychonauts 2 might happen that way mm-hmm. i don't see why it couldn't it worked <laughs> once yeah if it works again. And if they're going with a franchise that people <clears throat> already want to see developed, they probably have an even better chance. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Now, this is strange because the whole Snow White thing, like the Mirror Mirror and There's two uh, Snow White, Snow White and the out, Huntsman, yeah. it's happening again. What? But this time with Beauty and the Beast. No, why? I think maybe the re-release of the animated movie in theaters mm-hmm. in 3D. But Might have spurned this, but I'm not entirely sure. The beast is gonna look stupid. I reckon. Oh, <laughs> I enjoyed the movie, the cartoon. I thought it was. Why good. do you think the beast is gonna look stupid? I don't know. I just I don't think they're gonna be able to pull it off. Yeah. Well, they've done. Uh, they did a series in the past, like a TV series that was a Beauty and the Beast thing. They did. Yeah, Linda Hamilton was Beauty in it, which was an interesting choice. Sarah Connor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. People always talk about how hot she is, and I'm just like, eh. I don't see it. She's a cool action chick. Yeah. I don't get the super hot part. Nope. Uh, I agree. But there are currently three different projects in development involving Beauty and the Beast. This is a problem. Yeah. This is a problem. <clears throat> so This is where Disney owns this, right? Uh, I don't think so. Oh. I don't think any of these are Disney projects. And Disney, Beauty uh, and the Beast was a book? It was a fairy tale. It's just a fairy Disney tale. Disney adapted Disney, into a yeah. movie. That's what Disney does. They take Somebody's got to be like, no, we tales. can't do three versions. Because odds are know. two out of the three are going to suck. Odds are. What the hell? Three? It's bad enough there's two. St- I don't know. This is weird. Well, one of them is TV. Imagine if but, they released yeah. three Batman movies at the same time. Oh, I know. All by, like, you'd probably be excited. Well, yeah. <laughs> but again, odds are it's going to be, like, how do you handle that as a consumer? Right. I know. Something's going to get hit buy it but uh, here, here's some of the news that's come out about these different renditions uh while originally set to only produce the film guillermo del toro will now also direct his adaptation of beauty and the beast for warner brothers simply titled beast harry potter alum emma watson is in final negotiations to play the role of the film's beauty andrew davies has been brought on board to write the script based on del toro's treatment davies also penned bridget jones diary and its 2004 sequel as well as last year's the three musketeers so I'm not too impressed with that guy's work. What was the horror movie he just recently did? What Guillermo del Toro? Yeah, the one that was like they were making a big deal out of it. Oh, um, the, one, the little creatures were in the yeah, cell, and uh, I was like, that "Are was, you afraid of the dark?" Yeah, and that was not. Well, that was see, a I've seen some of his other stuff that's actually very good. Well, did he, he did do? he did the Hellboy movies. Oh, those um, were, I saw the first one. He did, uh, I believe, Pan's Labyrinth. That movie. Yeah. Which wasn't it was okay, right? It, it, the fact that it was like subtitled and everything, it was but tough. visually, visually it was cool. So if someone's gonna pull off a challenge of the visual beast, maybe it's someone like this. Mm. I think out of all the projects, this one has the most promise. Plus, Emma Watson's a good casting for uh, well, Belle. I can't picture who she is. She's Hermione. Ooh, and Harry like Potter. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> so she would be playing Belle. And we have no other updates on really the the beast side or anything else, but 
uh, this is the one of the three that I am I'm more sold. excited about. I'm sold. I'll see yeah. her in a dress. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, now moving on to the TV version. Oh, oh I see. So there's a TV series too now. Previously seen in a major capacity on the CW Smallville, Kristen Kruick is back with the network after being cast as the female lead in their drama pilot, Beauty and the Beast. The series is loosely based on the 1980s CBS series starring Linda Hamilton. The CW describes their take as a modern-day romantic love story with a procedural twist. It centers on Catherine, who is played by Kruick, a tough-minded NYPD homicide detective haunted by witnessing her mother's murder nine years ago and the killer's quick demise at the hands of a beast. After years of searching, Catherine finally finds the beast, Vincent Coslow, the survivor of a military experiment that went disastrously wrong and becomes the protector of his secret life this as a superhero. is not good. <laughs> so this is not like the, the fairy tale. As you were reading it, I'm like, it's just it's slipping fast. Yeah. They're setting it in modern day with her as a detective. Yep. And uh, people who don't know Kristen Crook, she was Lana Lang on Smallville. And then she was also in the horrible uh, Street Fighter Chun-Li movie as Chun-Li. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's gorgeous. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, the CW likes to keep it in the family. Uh, They're bringing back someone right. from a past series. So we, what's the third one? <laughs> this should be good. This is the one that I know uh, a little about. But they've actually cast, I think, both sides of it at this point. Uh, Christoph Gaines is set to direct an adaptation of Beauty and the Beast that will star Vincent Castle and Leah Sudeau. I don't even know who that is or if I'm saying that right. The director said about his version, quote, Although I will keep to a form of storytelling of this timeless fairy tale that is in keeping with the same pace and characters as the original, I will surprise the audience by creating a completely new visual universe never experienced before and produce images of an unparalleled quality. So he's talking about the art direction, not even the story. But uh, Vincent weird. Vincent Castle was in Black Swan most recently that I can think of as the ballet. Who's uh, the girl? Ballet Leah. instructor. Um, Leah Sudo. It's S-E-Y-D-O-U-X. Uh, Are you looking up pictures? I was going to try to Google her right now, yeah. Yeah. I think I looked up pictures and I was like, okay. Like nothing like crazy hot that would be I'm just trying to see if i know who she is oh here we go yeah mm, no do you not approve uh she doesn't look like she's not on par with the other two no i don't know yeah i don't know uh-oh <laughs> uh no no not a good move not beauty more like the beast oh no <laughs> oh yes <laughs> That's terrible. It is um, terrible. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for people unfamiliar with Christoph Gaines' work, the director uh, here, he directed Brotherhood of the Wolf and Silent Hill. And this would actually be his next project since doing Silent Hill, which I think was in like 2004. Yeah. That movie came out a while ago. Yeah. Did you see it? No. So bits and pieces. Of Horror it. movie. It was all yeah, right. Don't care. <laughs> uh, so that's probably the least exciting out of the three, I think. Yeah, that got worse as you went along. Yeah, sorry. That just sucks that Hollywood's doing this. Let's just take this property and just beat the crap okay. out of it. And confuse people. Yeah. Now there's a movie, there's a TV show. It's yep. Stupid. And yet they're all going to be different interpretations. Although the, the, the TV one is just based on another TV series. Yeah. Which seems like it has very little to do with the actual fairy tale. Except for the fact that a guy who looks like a beast might have a girl falling in love with him. But it doesn't seem like there's a curse or anything. It's just like a government experiment gone yeah, wrong. Yeah, that's weird. Weird. Uh, Al so instead Pacino, of the Hulk, he turned into the Beast. I guess. But he stays like that. <laughs> yeah. Al Pacino has signed on to voice the currently unnamed villain in Illumination Entertainment and Universal Pictures' Despicable Me 2. Huh. Steve Carell, Kristen Wiig, Miranda Cosgrove, and Russell Brand are set to return for the July 3rd, 2013 release. The first film was a big hit for Universal Pictures and Illumination and uh, Illumination Entertainment. The $69 million budgeted Despicable Me opened on July 9th, 2010 and went on to earn $543.1 million worldwide. So very profitable movie, over $400 million raised. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was a great movie. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Own it. I did not watch that. Very, very good. Uh, Sarah Chalk from Scrubs, who played... Uh, why is the her blonde? name escaping me? Elliot? Yes, yeah, Elliot. Elliot. Sarah. I haven't seen her since then. Show. I know she's well. She's been on a hold, an ABC uh, holding contract. 
So they were keeping her out of the projects because they wanted rights to use her. And it looks like they found something. Sarah Chalk has been given the lead. You haven't heard of those? No. Really? That that oh, the only thing I can compare that to is like WWE letting you go, but that, you can't do anything for right. like sixty to ninety days. Networks do holding contracts and they pay you to not work elsewhere. Oh well they're getting paid not to work. Right. Okay. Oh yeah. It's not just holding contract to hold them. They're they're paying you to hold on to you for a future project, which is pretty awesome. It is, but what if you got an offer? What if another like there was a role you always wanted? That's and why now they're you paying can't you. Go, yeah, but I'd be pissed off if I turn around. And they were like, "We want to cast you." As- you had the choice, though, to to you, enter into that. Contract. I know, but you didn't know. What if you imagine if That's you had the risk? That, but somebody came along and said, "We want you to be in the next Batman movie." I know. And you sat there and you couldn't. I would invite holding contracts at this point <laughs> in my career. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, <laughs> especially since I've never been All in right, anything. So what is she up to? <laughs> All right, Sarah Chalk has been given the lead in ABC's upcoming sitcom pilot for How to Live with Your Parents for the Rest of Your Life. The multi-camera hybrid comedy comes from Accidentally on Purpose creator Claudia Leno. The show centers on Polly, who would be played by Chalk, a recently divorced single mom who moves in with her eccentric parents, Elaine and Max, a couple who's full of life but knows no boundaries. Typical sitcom. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I give it two seasons. Yeah. You never know until you see the actual, like, stuff from it. I like her. Yeah. She's funny. And she's very good looking. Yes. Mm. Mm. Uh, Relativity Media has partnered with global branded play company Hasbro Inc., to develop and produce a live-action film based on Stretch Armstrong, the iconic action hero figure launched in the 1970s. I didn't even realize he was that old. No. The film is targeted for an April 11th, 2014 release date. Hasbro has become an entertainment powerhouse by creating hit movies and television shows from its rich portfolio of world-class brands. Since 2007, Hasbro's Transformers and G.I. Joe franchises have grossed nearly $3 billion at the worldwide box office. 2012 is shaping up to be another stellar year for Hasbro, with its partners Universal Pictures releasing Battleship in April, which looks so god-awful, and Paramount Pictures releasing G.I. Joe Retaliation in June, which looks better than the first, actually. In television, Hasbro Studios produces shows like Transformers Prime and My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. (laughs) There's a moneymaker. I know. Worst part is it is. Yeah. Little girls Probably. buying the stupid toys. Uh, that can be seen on the Hub Television Network in the U.S. and in more than 140 countries globally. Stretch Armstrong is the classic action hero figure first launched by Hasbro in 1976 and relaunched in the 90s. I do remember that. Yes. Sold successfully throughout North America and in markets across the world. The original Stretch's unique design broke free of traditional action figures, as he could be stretched over and over and always returned mm-hmm. back to his original size. The nostalgic toy is considered to be rare and collectible to this day. Hmm. I don't care too much about this. It's nope. almost like they're trying to do Mr. Fantastic. And yeah. um, this was actually announced a long time ago, and there were rumors of Taylor Lautner being sought for the mm-hmm. lead as Stretch Armstrong. But this is kind of almost like uh, we've abandoned those prior plans, and this is almost a new, fresh start. That's so good. what they were That's working on kind of fell yeah, through. Yeah, they saw his work. And yeah. then <laughs> thinking, everybody's fired. Hire new people. So as far as I know, there are no connections to past attempts at making this movie. Okay. Uh, Hasbro's not done with us yet, though. Okay. Columbia Pictures, Happy Madison, Adam Sandler's oh, company, oh. and Hasbro Inc. are in final talks to develop Candyland. A live oh, action yeah. movie based on the best selling Hasbro board game with Adam Sandler Is that attached really to their star. Best selling board game? Uh, not well, maybe not their best selling, but it is the best selling. Oh, oh. Yeah, okay. It's that one of their best selling. It's a great play game it with my dad. And my I don't think it's. I, if I had to guess, I would say Monopoly is the best selling game think of all that's time. That's what blew my mind when you said that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, well, it is a best selling board oh, game, okay. so that's how they kind of frame that to make you even think that. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Lima is attached to direct the project for the studio with Sandler and Robert Smigel and talks to write the screenplay. Smigel's very talented. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin Lima directed Enchanted, which would kind of lend itself to that similar tone, I would imagine, as Candyland would. Quote, the creative talent on board for this movie is amazing, and we are excited to bring alive the world of Candyland for kids and families everywhere. Uh, Brian Goldner, Hasbro president and CEO, added. Sony Columbia has been a wonderful creative partner as we develop another of our games, Risk, for the big screen. We are looking forward to working with Sony Columbia and Adam Sandler and his team at Happy Madison Productions on this film. So I haven't heard anything about a Risk film. No, Apparently, this is weird. They're it, just like every board game is being turned well, into a movie. Yeah, this is weird. It was like we were taking video games and turning them in, in the 90s. Yep. And, and even recently, we've been taking video games. Yeah. 
and now they're turning board games into movies. I'm waiting for uh, Twister. <laughs> I'm waiting for Shoots and Ladders. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be great. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, coming summer 2015. <laughs> Scrabble. You want to know what would be the best, though? <laughs> what? Mousetrap. Oh, uh, yeah. They did a movie. Did they? Yes. You don't remember? My- yes. They. I'm going to Google it. <laughs> you Google and I'll keep they, reading. I'm telling you, they did a mousetrap movie. Oh. I think. You might be thinking of something like Rat Race. No. No? All Go right. ahead. Read all right, all right. Google. Uh, Candyland is one of the most beloved and best known games of all time. Created in 1949, it has been played by generations of families. In the game, players go on a magical journey through fantastical lands made of candy, sweets, and ice cream, the Peppermint Forest, the uh, Gumdrop Mountains, and the Lollipop Woods. Along the way, players encounter such iconic characters as Princess Frostine, Lord Licorice, Mr. Mint, and King Candy. (laughs) This is going to be good. It's so friggin' weird. Uh, 1997, they did Mouse Hunt. Mm. That had, um... Oh, it's the funniest movie of the year. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, uh, they all say funniest Nathan movie. Nathan Lane was in it. Oh God! Yeah, that's oh, what, I that's... think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the cover. Well, see, at least video games have actual backstories and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I remember that. I think that's the same concept because they were laying out traps, trying to. I don't know. I never mouse hunt and saw much on it, but I remember the cover. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. At least video games have backstories to expand on and universes set up. Like, this is very... Candyland... Okay, this could be possible. Yeah. Although... They might be able to pull this off. <laughs> Let's hope they don't do what they're doing with Battleship. I don't know how that's even connected to the game. No. Like, why even bother? It's just silly. Like who who sits and comes... Who agrees to this? All I know is... And I'm going to watch Battleship. I just, think it comes down to... Are we going to make a profit on this? Well, there's an 80% chance we're going to. All right, make it. Yeah. And they're trying to connect it to Transformers too. You can tell by the alien yeah. ships and stuff. But I'll I'll un- I'll undoubtedly end up seeing Battleship because it's just what I do. But uh, <laughs> if he someone sacrifices for you people, I do. I do. If somebody doesn't say you sunk my Battleship during the course of the movie, <laughs> I demand my money back. Exactly. That has to be in there somewhere. And they need to pause and look at the camera. Wink and smile. And it has yeah. to be Liam Neeson saying it <laughs> yeah. because <laughs> instead of him saying, "I'm going to find you." And I'm going to kill you <laughs> from Taken. He has to do, uh, he has to do, you sunk my battleship. <laughs> you sunk my battleship. <laughs> we'll have a Liam Neeson off to see who right. can do the best interpretation of the line. Yeah. <laughs> you sunk my battleship. You have to put the emphasis on a different word I'm every time. I'm going to find you. <laughs> and I'm you're going, going to kill you. <laughs> after you sunk my battleship. Uh, take two interactive software and rockstar games has announced that max Payne three has been delayed from its original March release to the new date of May 15th, 2012. So two months, yeah, two months. That's good. So they found some errors and going to fix it. Right. I'd rather, I'd rather they do this than put it out and say, we'll just give you You like downloadable updates. Blow my mind is that they haven't tried to do a grand theft auto movie. It'll happen. I Which guarantee it'll happen. Which could actually be a good movie because it could be anything. True. I mean, it's the story of, of any character. Right. Well, yeah, the character changes I mean, every game so they could create a new character right. and use the idea. So basically, see, that something like that would be more okay when they're saying, we're going to capture the tone of the Grand Theft Auto games right. and introduce a new story and character to you within that world and that tone. Mm-hmm. That would be acceptable. Although a Vice City movie would be pretty awesome. Well, that's Scarface. Yeah, Scarface was like that. But yeah, that's yeah. But but it'd be a little more fun. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it would. Yeah, I would dig that. That'd be cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, Lollipop Chainsaw. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of pre-orders. So again, kind of dividing people up on what you can actually. I I hate this whole concept. And actually, they posted on uh the Indoor Kids mm-hmm. Facebook page recently about a similar idea. It drives me crazy that. What started off as competition between different stores yeah. has now become like a way to punish the consumers and deprive us of a full experience. And we've talked about this on the show yeah. before is you want all the DLC. And even though I don't care about all the DLC here, uh, you want all the DLC, but you don't have access to it because right. or maybe they sell it to you in the future. But it's just obnoxious. Yeah. Uh, so if you buy or pre-order Lollipop Chainsaw at Amazon. You will add Juliet to your pinup collection and pop cherries with rockabilly because you get a rockabilly costume. So Uh these are all different attires that you will get for the character. If you get it at Best Buy, 
you can headbang with the goth girl outfit and step into the funk with Juliet's golden foxy funk outfit. Okay. If you are a GameStop Power Up Rewards member, which is regular, uh, which is different than just a regular GameStop pre-order. Mm-hmm. If you are a member of that group and you pre-order, you get insane with Jimmy Urine from Mindless Self Indulgence, who is doing the music for the game. Oh. And lastly, and probably most excitingly, if you are just a regular GameStop buyer, I assume if you're a Power Up Rewards member, you get both of these. Mm. Uh, but if you're a GameStop pre-order, you become the original Chainsaw Master with the legendary Ash from Evil Dead. That's cool. That's cool. So it's not necessarily Ash. It's actually her, but dressed up in an Ash right. costume with like short brown hair. Right. And, yeah. But it looks cool. That's cool. That sounds like the best one. Yeah, absolutely. It's the only one I even care about. So I wonder... <laughs> Like, do these, these Walmart, GameStop, all these stores, like, bid on this and go, we we want this? They must. We're going to give you X amount of dollars for this exclusive? Yeah, I don't know how that all works. But I'd be interested to find out. I wonder if there's people I'm I can contact. I'm very surprised that Toys R Us isn't in on it. They have I don't a video think, game department. I don't think they can compete with with the bigger chains like this. No. I mean, games. think about how often do you go to a Toys R Us compared to these other places now. Yeah. So I think these are the ones. Actually, normally it's Best Buy that gets a lot of the best. Mm. pre-order but GameStop's stepping it up lately although amazon in addition to this stuff generally gives you like a discount they'll give you like 10 bucks on a future video game purchase oh that's good they do that a lot uh last story finally (laughs) despite some production delays the highly anticipated franchise sequel the wolverine appears to be back on track and now has an official release date of july 26th 2013 while the plot details are vague, the story based on the 1982 Wolverine miniseries by Chris Claremont and Frank Miller follows Wolverine to Japan in a forbidden romance with a Japanese woman, culminating in a battle with her father, brothers, and the Silver Samurai. So this is the uh, sequel yeah. to the Wolverine Origins movie that we <laughs> so fondly talked about in the Jeff Katz interview. You think it'll be better? It'll, it'll be, be much more better. Accurate? This will be much better, I think. Mm. Because, well... <laughs> you say that and you hope, but you never know what they're going to do with these characters. And oddly enough, I think the Japanese is, woman that they're referring to yeah. is uh, Yudiko, who became Lady Deathstrike. Yeah. And I think like she does that as a way to get revenge on Wolverine for whatever he ends up doing to these, like her father or brothers. And He's going to probably kill them. Probably. I really hope that this one is... A little more violent. Wolverine's a violent character. He's they've, very savage. And, they've talked about making this one R-rated. And I really felt like they dropped the ball in the first one when he when he gets the adamantium put in mm-hmm. and escapes. Even in the comic, even in the cartoon version that was on TV in the 90s. He went nuts. He took people out. Yep. He broke out of that glass canister and like took people out. Yeah. And I was expecting and that. They were Especially very skillful after, about hiding the kills. Well, but. X-Men 2. That was the big thing, actually. I was like, Wolverine just killed tons of people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like when they they go out into the mansion, yeah, and he's oh, just yeah. going he's and just leapt at a guy with both his hands yeah. right into him, and then nothing. Yeah, I really hope that they capture him being a little more savage. They need the more feral side. Absolutely, agreed. We can only hope, but it is yeah. supposed to be R rated, as far as I know. That's that's I good. Think. Unless we talk, no, did we talk about that before? No, no, I don't okay. Mentioning it being R rated, but that's good. Yeah. Uh, so that's it this week. Any uh, final thoughts? Something you'd like to plug? Uh, no more board game movies? <laughs> no more board game movies. I don't know. If anybody out there has Xbox, uh, you can friend request me. My gamer tag is Mike from the gym. All one word. Sweet. Yeah. I I should probably give out my gamer tag, huh? You should. For the PSN players. Yeah. If they're going to play you on Xbox, they might as well play me on PSN. Mine's weird, though. Mine is... Uh, not I want as... you to time the release of this episode. Yeah. Within 120 seconds, that's two minutes. Okay. You're going to have a friend request from Chris Tong. I already have Chris Tong. Oh. I'm already PSN buddies with Chris Tong. I'm going to put money on that one. Yeah. (laughs) I know Chris would jump on it. Yeah. No, we've already exchanged IDs. Oh, cool. Yeah. So mine is on PSN. It is SSJ for Super Saiyan. That's a Dragon Ball Z reference. Mm. (laughs) Ha ha. SSJ Berserker. So B-E-R-Z-E-R-K-E-R. SSJ Berserker. Cool. Yeah. I don't have probably all the games most people. I don't do a lot of multiplayer gaming. I play, uh, if anyone's playing Uncharted, I'll play two or three with you. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, and I will play, uh, what, what else have I been playing recently online? I don't even know. Assassin's Creed, I guess I would play. Yeah, I'd check that out. How is that online? It's not bad. I haven't played Revelations online too much, but I played Brotherhood a little bit. Hmm. 
But those are, I don't really play a lot of online games. Oh, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3. I'll throw down in that. I already beat the crap out of Brian in that. What? Oh, Brian. Burn. <laughs> so if you want to see our articles, uh, check out any of the stuff that we do on the site, you can go to thegeekgeneration.com. Please rate the show and write a review in iTunes. We had a recent surge of reviews. We're up to 44 reviews oh. on the iTunes store, which is wow, fantastic. Yes, it's been amazing. Uh, but please go in and write a review and uh, five stars if you could. Yeah, uh, a positive one. Positive, yeah. We only have one negative review. All the others are positive. Still, just that one? Just that one like, stupid one that what? someone was like, they said if you don't watch Smallville and don't listen to us, so I stop watching. And the guy was probably listening to the Smallville episode. The one, like, finale of Smallville one, which wouldn't make sense to we listen to. stuff all the time. Yeah, whatever. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, insults, or topics you'd like us to discuss, you can send those to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com or at geekgeneration on Twitter. Or please, please leave a voicemail at 508-316-9787. We've been getting, like, no feedback lately. So wow. I would actually really like to hear people's feedback uh, on anything that we talk about. What would, Did they agree with the geekies? Did they not? Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the top 10 movies of 2011. Yep. I would love people's opinions on that. Yeah. So uh, any of that stuff, send it in. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We done. Bye. See you later. Make it so.